we have a spiritual man, a man who is in the flesh, and we have a prophet. So, if a prophet will stand here and speak a statement, who will receive first between the spiritual and those in the flesh? The spiritual. And what makes others receive and others not? It is the ability being spiritual. In chapter 2 of the same uh, book of 1 Corinthians, of chapter 2, the Bible speaks from verse 7. I, I want to show you from verse 7 what the Bible says. Okay? But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Are you understanding this? That there is some wisdom that God has hidden. It is not everything. When you are born again, what I'm teaching you now is a hidden wisdom. Paul is saying, the things I'm writing, and I will show you which things he's writing. Paul is writing, and he's saying, what I am writing is hidden what? Wisdom. What is he writing? In verse 14, check in verse 14. This is what he's writing, and he says, this is hidden. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. A man in the flesh so no matter how you may be watching me for 20 years, watching on TV like this, as long as you are natural, as long as you are in the flesh, you will not receive the things of the Spirit. No matter how you say you love God and you love the prophet and you believe you are prophetic, if you are natural, you will never receive the things of the Spirit. Because the Bible says a natural man cannot receive. It's a natural man. So you can't. So who's a natural man? A natural man is a person who looks at things and judge them with his natural um, uh, abilities, with his natural understanding. You look at something and then you think it is in this way. So you even be in church like this and God will be moving and you'll be so natural. The distance between where you are and where your miracle is, is so simple. It's to kill your natural you. Your humanism. The humanism. If there is something that God wants to do. Is to remove humanism. It was so simple. Actually. With all those calamities. To deliver the people of Israel. Out of Egypt. It was so simple to take them out of Egypt. But it was so difficult to take Egypt out of them. Oh, you didn't hear me. It was so simple. To deliver the people of Israel. Out of Egypt. It was so difficult to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt out of their mind. So though they were out of Egypt, but they needed another deliverance to remove what? Egypt from their mind. Taking them out of Egypt was simple, but taking Egypt out of them was so difficult. That they were even walking and saying, Moses, can you stop a little bit? Moses stopped and said, we, I, I, we, miss, we miss onion in Egypt. Moses would be like, you guys, you just ate manna, roasted chicken, roasted meat from heaven falling and they just ate. They said, but me, I miss watermelon. I'm having cravings. It was so difficult to deliver them out. To remove Egypt out of them. It was so simple for me to deliver you out of the world. 
but it's so difficult to, to, to remove the world out of you. You didn't hear me. It's so difficult. You still look at it. Like, ah. You look at the things, how they're happening around you. You'll be like, ah, what's, what's going on? What's going to happen to me? What's, what, what's happening? I was saying somewhere. I was saying, you know, you know, because you are you are human, and you're not set free from humanism. You always think things are not moving well, and you begin to judge yourself because you're so human. You are so much in the flesh. You judge yourself by what you are facing. Not what God is saying. So I was saying, God has never used opportunities to put people on top. God has always used challenges. You heard me, right? God has never used opportunities to put people on top. He has always used challenges. When God was wanted to make Isaac, a millionaire, he used the famine. When there was famine, Isaac planted in the famine and harvested the hundredfold. When God wanted Abraham to become a father of the whole world, his wife was barren. Not only that, he was told to leave his father and his country to a place he doesn't even know. So right now we have somebody now that like I'm passing through a lot. Jesus never ran away from the cross. He had to face the cross in order for him to become. The Bible says therefore God exalted him. God exalted. He was not exalted until he obeyed. God exalted his name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, of the things in heaven, the things on the earth, even the things under the earth must bow. But he had to go through a challenge. Am I talking to somebody here? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody just woke up in the morning. David had an opportunity. He was working in the palace. He would play guitar like this. And demons would come out of the king's soul. But that connection didn't make him become a king. That opportunity didn't make him become a king. It was the challenge of Goliath he faced. So in the natural, in the natural, if you're a natural person, you actually, you lose a lot of things because how you think, it is so natural. You look at things and say, ah, I don't know now. Are you ready? Ah. The moment you are like that, the Bible says they did not enter the promised land because of their murmuring. Do you understand this? That Joshua was never a soldier. And God speaks to Joshua. He says, now, I, I want you to go and enter Canaan. Do you know from where actually Joshua took over? It was the most difficult place than where Moses was coming from. Moses never went to battle. Moses would go to the mountain and say, Joshua, go and fight. And Moses would go to the mountain and just raise hands. It was Joshua fighting. I'm not talking to somebody here. You must understand this. So the challenges which were there determined how far Joshua will go. It's a prophetic advantage. 
No, say it again properly. It's a prophetic advantage. Are you here? Yes. Tonight, we want people who are spiritual because when I release something, someone must receive it. Someone must take it. Now, so we have a person who is in the flesh. The Bible says for a man, a natural man, cannot receive the things of the spirit. See there again, the scripture. It says for, and the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to him. So when I say to you now, take anointing oil. When I say to you now that raise your hands. You see, there are people who just do it because I'm saying they should do it. Do you understand? Do you know why people are failing today? Do you know why people are sick and people are dying in church? Do you know why? I'll show you just now. A natural man does not what? Receive the things of the spirit. It says why? It says because the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. Meaning, for you to receive it, you must discern it. Oh, you didn't hear that. Can you imagine that Jacob slept, slept at a place until the morning. And he woke up from a dream and he said, surely God is in this place and I knew it not. That's what he said. Surely God is in this place. But I knew it not. So you can be where God is and you can know it not. Can you imagine you were sleeping at the gate to heaven and he was sleeping there like this. Two in the morning. He only discovered after the dream. He's like, God is here and I knew it not. And I love the word he used. He said, surely this is the gate to heaven. This is a house of God. And I knew it not. So imagine now, you're watching me in your house right now. You're sitting there. An angel is standing behind you. And you know it not. And he's holding a key like this to give you. And you sense it not. Because the things of the spirit are spiritually descent. So you must descend it for you to know it. You must descend the day to say, today is my day. You must descend the environment that this environment, God is moving. You must descend the time to say, now is my time. You must descend the things of the spirit are spiritually descend. God does not work how people think where he looks at you and he thinks, uh, uh, I think she's passing through a lot. I must be sorry for her. Mm, no, 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 no. God does not use sorry. He doesn't feel sorry for people. He doesn't. God does not feel sorry for people. Because he is, it's none of his business. The Bible says when God made the world, he said what? Let us make man in our image. Let him have dominion over the earth. So God gave you the dominion. So according to God, he gave you everything. And when you lost dominion, he actually sent Jesus to die. And Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he said, behold, I give you back the power. So who has the power? You have the power. So God in heaven looks at you. 
Are, are you understanding? And the Bible says when you are passing through problems, the Bible says he that sits in heaven laughs. He doesn't feel sorry. He says when you are passing through problems, he laughs. Because he knows that the end of your enemy is near. How? He knows you're going to do something about it. So he laughs. The Bible doesn't say that he sends angels to come and help you. He says he laughs. He laughs. So he looks at you and then he begins to laugh. The Bible says he that sits in heaven, when he sees troubles around you, he begins to laugh. Because he knows that you have the power. He is so shocked that... Uh, uh, are these people, uh, are they, do they really know who my daughter is? And he begins to laugh. Because he's expecting you're going to go in your room and close the door and shaka pahata kapaya. So he laughs. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? You must not. So, so, in the Bible there, the Bible speaks. And I want you to hear that. We have people back. I don't know why is not the God feeling, oh, God should do something for me. You are like King Saul when he was at the battle. He went in the tent when Goliath appeared. King Saul was in the tent with intercessors. What, what, what are we going to do? He said, ah, no, my man of God, we are praying. We are praying. <laughs> we are praying. How many days? They were there for how many days? 40 days. Every day he was coming. Goliath coming to challenge them. The whole king saw anointed with oil in a tent. Hey! Born. Can you imagine the anointed was now seeking for help from people. It's like the one who can kill him. I'll give him this. The one who can kill you. <laughs> Do you understand? People are like, why can't God just strike that guy? Intercessors were even praying, die, die. David came and they said, no, 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 no. Let me face the guy. That's what God wants. He wants you to face your challenge. Look at his face and say, you disease. And say, you spirit of stagnation, I command you by the power of God, you are living tonight, and so shall it be. The problem is we have people who command today and tomorrow they are complaining. It doesn't work like that. You must maintain your confession. If you want your confession to work, you must maintain your confession. I, I had a friend who was commanding. He said, he said his mom had a problem, glaucoma. The eye, there was, there was a small growth in the eye. So he kept on praying, in the, I declare, my mom is healed in the name of Jesus. It was becoming worse. So he changed from declaring to say, Father, Lord, heal my mom. Oh, God. I said, hey, 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 hey. We were praying. I said, hey, hey, hey. I said, hey, hey, <laughs> calm down. I said, why are you changing your prayer? I said, for the past three days we've been here, you've been commanding. And now you are changing to, to begging. I said, why are you begging God to heal your mom? He says, no, and it's, it's, it's getting worse. I said, keep on commanding. I said, keep on commanding. Okay. Hey, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name. 
A week later, it was worse. Now I say, I'm doing fasting. I said, okay. What are you? Father Lord, after that, he said he's now thanking God. He's, he believes that she's healed. So I said, take me home. Let me go to your mother. So I went to his mother. And the mother had that. And I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, tomorrow morning, you are seeing. I said, everything is gone. I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, I took all. You see how I'm behaving and him too different. You see, the, what, what, what makes God move is your confidence. I said, give me oil. They put oil on my hand. I said, woman, close your eyes. The woman closed her eyes. I, I touched the top part of her eye seven times. I said, I touch your eyes seven times. I did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I said, now. I said, bring me a towel. And I wiped the oil on top of her eye. And I said, if I be a man of God. I said, by tomorrow morning. Early morning. Early morning. Guess who woke me up? My phone called. Oh, my, my prophet. I said, what, what's happening? Ah, you have anointing. I'm like, what's going on? My mom woke up in the morning and said, you can't believe it. He said, everything just disappeared. He said, ah, but prophet, tell me, there are things you have not taught me about prayer. I said, no, there's nothing I haven't taught you. I said, how you speak to your mountain? How you speak to your mountain? Am I talking to you? Am I talking to you? Am I speaking to you? You see, we went, we had, a, we had a, the, uh, the end of the matter. Remember the end of the matter service? I took a bottle and I said everything about my case today. You're ending. From that moment today, I stopped praying about it because to me, it ended. It ended. Ended. Full stop. Deal. Boom. Finished. And I'm telling you on TV live right now. I'm telling you on TV live. And the whole world is watching. And I'm telling you. If anyone is refusing, it should stand out. It ended. That's how oh. That's how God wants. He wants your faith. No, I, I, I prayed, but hey, have you seen outside? Our confession. Me, if I tell you that this thing is like this, no, no matter how you come and say this, if I say, do you understand what I'm saying to you? A spiritual man is not a natural man. A natural man can be moved by events, environment, what they heard from people, what they saw, what they think, their feelings, their emotions, and what they watched. Not a spiritual man. A spiritual man, the environment will never change him. What they are passing through never changes them. They are spiritual. They go. They, they use discernment. Are you here? The Bible there now says what? It says, it says, it says, it says this. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. Now, verse 15. I want you to see this. In verse 15, but he 
who is spiritual judges all things. The word judges there is the word anakrino. Greek word there is anakrino. Anakrino. Judges. Anakrino. What is anakrino? It is to investigate. Investigate. Survey. Test. Approve. You hear that? So when you, when you are anakrino, so I want you guys to be spiritual. I want you to be able to receive the things of the spirit. I want you to discern the things of the spirit. The Bible says he that is spiritual judges, discerns, anakrino, all things. So you are able to sit there. So if I'm preaching like this, you don't just hear the preaching to you. You begin to anakrino me. You begin to anakrino me. Are you understanding? You begin to investigate to say what he is talking. What belongs to me? What is God trying to say? You begin to search. You begin to approve. You begin to test. Then you begin to check. At that point in time, when I'm making a prayer, you are able to discern something that others are not discerning. That's why by the shadow of Peter, others were healed. Do you understand? By the shadow of Peter, others what? By his shadow, others were healed. And by the same Peter, some people took him and put him upside down like this and killed him. So what makes church, what makes others receive and others not? In 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 27, the Bible says this. I want you to say this. It says, therefore, whosoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Wait a minute. I want to ask you a question. What, what is the church? What is the church? The body of Christ, right? Now, the Bible says if you eat the body of Christ in an unworthy manner, it says if you eat the body of Christ, what is the body of Christ? It's a church. Okay. In verse 28, but let a man examine himself. The word examine himself is to do what? To discern yourself. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Whosoever partake of the church in an unworthy manner, they eat and drink judgment. The word judgment there is the word krino. Which means condemnation. Did you hear that? It means what? So we have people who are in church. And they are condemned. They are condemned. And they wonder why. You are condemned. The Bible says in an unworthy manner. The Bible says without discerning the body. Go in the scripture. It says without. See there. Not discerning the Lord's body. Who is the Lord's body? It's a church. It says not discerning. Not discerning the Lord's body. It says you eat domination. Condemnation. Not discerning. It doesn't matter how faithful you are in church. How much you give in church. As long as you do not discern the Lord's body. Who is the Lord's body? It's the church. And what's the church? Prophets. Pastors, teachers, apostles. What's the church? So you must discern it. 
Don't be in a church you can't descend. You must descend because that single day, God will want to bless you and you want to notice it. So the Bible says, not descending the lost body, you actually take condemnation and damnation. The following verse, see this, says, for this cause, for this reason, many are weak in church. Many are sick among you and many have died. Many fall asleep. He said, for this cause, what cause? Not discerning the lost body, which is the church. Just being in church. Yeah, I go to church. I was in church. You have to discern it. So you might be sitting there now in your house without discerning the body, without discerning the church. Just say, I receive. I receive. Shut up. It is more than receiving. You must discern what you're doing. Because right now, there are people... Like when I was entering here, God spoke to me that there are 56 people tonight. 56 people. And I want you to hear this. 56 people who their jobs are at stake and they're watching me now. But guess what? All the time I'm ministering here, they are not even discerning that God is coming to their rescue. So the Bible says, for to be naturally minded is death. Oh my goodness. In Romans chapter 8, okay, from verse 7 and 8. Let's start from verse 6. Alright. It says, For to be carnally minded is death. King James Version. Now let me read there. It says, What? It says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. It says, For the carnal mind, my God, is enmity against God. The carnal, the flesh, the earthly thinking. Like you sit there like this, ah, me, I haven't received anything. You sit, ah, when, this, when will this miracle happen? You are ethere. The Bible says it is enmity. The carnal mind. So the Bible there says what? It says because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. So you're sitting there. Let's pray. Father, you just pray carnally. Oh, shaka, ba, 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 ba. Yeah, you are, praying, you are praying the Holy Ghost, but in, in, in the flesh. You are praying the Holy Ghost, but in the flesh. Yeah, you have a gun, but no bullets. Praying. Time has come that you guys must grow. Now, I'm teaching these things. Listen, when Paul was writing these things, he says what? This is the wisdom that has been hidden. He said, what I am writing, he said, what I am writing to you, I write to those who are mature. And I'm writing wisdom which has been hidden, which God hid from the time began. He said, I am writing to you. He says, when you understand this thing, it will take you to your glory. I'm not talking to you. It's hidden. So stop it. I told you uh, on yesterday, when, the, when, when Peter was sinking in the water, Peter began to blame the waves. You say the waves, oh, the waves began to move. God, Jesus, didn't blame the waves. He blamed him. He said, Peter, why did you doubt? He didn't say, oh, waves, I rebuke you. No. When the boat was about to sink, they were all crying off the storm. He never blamed the storm. They were blaming the storm. Jesus never blamed the storm. He said, you of little faith. When they failed to cast out a demon, he never said, oh, you demon, you're too strong. Why are you doing this to my disciples? I've come myself to remove you. No, he blamed them. 
He said, until when shall I be with you? You of little faith. They said, help our unbelief. It has nothing to do with your problem. It is all to do with your faith. Begin to tell yourself that I'm a giant. Are you understanding this? Are you understanding this? I pray in the name of Jesus that you receive discernment. Listen to this. Are you here, right? Listen to this. What I'm about to tell you now. When Joshua was at the wall, Moses was at the mountain, the prophet. Now, there were five kings that came together against Joshua. Do you hear me? How many kings? And these kings were not small kings. The Bible calls them, they made an alliance. Five nations against Joshua. And they too, they also went to war. But one thing is that Joshua, when he was facing them, he had the prophet at the mountain raising up his hands. He had the prophetic advantage. I told you that the prophetic environment is the most dangerous environment in the world. That when David went to hide just at Samuel's house in Ramah, when David went to hide, just to hide at his house like this, when King Saul was looking for him, the moment King Saul came at the house, it was a mistake. He went crazy. He took off his clothes and began to prophesy. King Saul. The Bible says when King Saul was looking for David, and when he went to the house of, 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 uh, of uh, uh, Prophet Samuel, it was, a, it was wrong address. It was what? King Saul. The Bible says he began to prophesy the whole night. Like a madman. He took off his clothes and began, who does that? You are looking for David in the wrong place. In fact, it's not him who began it. He sends his servants. They began to prophesy. He sent another group. They began to He went himself. He was punished to prophesy the whole night. Because David was hiding in the bosom of a prophet. Are you understanding? Yet the same prophet, people, other people want to come and hide near him. They'll be killed. So it's not about hiding near a prophet. It's about the revelation you have. Prophets are potters. Prophets are potters. Potters. They are very serious potters. They are gateways. Very serious ones. But you have to descend them. Otherwise, you won't actually notice that something just happened to you. You won't notice. Are you here or you're home? So natural. Very natural. Like, oh, ah, what's happening? Hey, are you going... I, go, nah, I want to go. Why? I don't have money. Like, really? A month from now, you are saying you don't have money. You want to make it. I, I want to make it. I don't have money. What language is that? There's no language like that in heaven. It's not the vocabulary of heaven. Ah, you are not understanding what I'm saying. There is no vocabulary like that in heaven. Somebody say, I'm rich. There's no vocabulary like that. Nothing like that. When God, when, when he looks at you, when he, if he looks at you, he knows that you have all the fullness. The Bible said to please the Father to have all his fullness dwell in the Son. So Jesus, when he was walking like this, he had all the fullness. That's why he was challenging. I can destroy this temple. 
that you have built for 40 years. And I can build it again. In how many days? He was saying, I can die and resurrect on the third day. When Herod was about to give him problems, he said, tell, tell that fox. No one would call Herod fox. Jesus told him off. He said, you're a fox. You're useless. In other words, you're useless. They told that fox. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the owner of the land, Jesus, is moving like this? And the Herod thinks he's the owner of the land. He says, tell him he's making noise. He said, tell, tell that fox. Can you imagine Jesus, the owner of the world, is moving in like this, yes. preaching the gospel. And the Herod says, tell, tell Jesus is making noise. In Jesus' land. And because we think you're a king by inheritance. Jesus said, tell that fox. I'm here tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll finish my work. So they went to tell him. They said, uh, we've been told to tell you that you, you as a fox, you are nobody. <laughs> Sir, what do you mean? Yeah, that's who you are. Can you imagine some people want to control you? Do they know who you are? Just because they think they've got money, they've got power, do they know how you can mess them up? They honor the land. And the fox is making noise to a lion of the tribe of Judah. They tell that fox, get lost. <laughs> Are you here, somebody? Your mentality. Never allowed to be controlled. I want you to know that you are not just... You see, when, when you behave like, like you are far away, like you are a beggar, you want God's help to come and rescue you. You are, you, are, you are in the flesh. You are so much... in Any person with that mentality that one day God will come from heaven and do a miracle for them, you are in the flesh. Can you imagine when Peter met uh, a lame man at the beautiful gate? Can you imagine if Peter would go like, Father, Lord, come and heal this man. Oh, please, Lord. Can, can you feel sorry for him? He was born lame. No. The power was in the hands of Peter. Peter says, look at me. He says, in the name of Jesus. He said, rise up and walk. The Bible said the man didn't walk. But he jumped. <laughs> there was chaos. The whole temple. How did it happen? Tell us the truth. How did it happen? Because they are shocked. They are, everybody goes to the same church. And in fact, maybe they were even interceding for him to say, Father, Lord, one day heal him. But he meets a man who commands it and it happens. So when I tell you all the times, take your bank card, you take your bank card like this. I say, now, say these words. I don't just tell you. I don't just say, take your, you just tell it. Say after me, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, money will come, money will come. You put it back in your pocket. Amen, amen, amen. No. You must call your rain. Elijah, he, he prayed that it must rain. When he prayed, there was no rain. He prayed again. He prayed again. He prayed again. There was nothing. He said, I will pray again. That's the, it's known as the ultimate trust. The ultimate trust in your God. That even if there is no result, you keep on another prayer. You say, I know God. Something is going to happen. He prayed it out. 
And when he saw a smoke cloud, he said what? He said, that's it. And the Bible there was a small one, like a feast. Like what? Scientifically, it's cumulonimbus, which does not bring rain. Scientifically, that cloud doesn't bring rain. But he saw rain in those clouds. <laughs> he says, I hear the abundance of rain. You know, there are people today, the reason why they'll never have a big miracle is when a small one comes, they don't hear abundance of rain in that small miracle. Like, I'm praying I want to be a millionaire. And then, boom, two thousands come. You can't hear the abundance of rain in those few thousands. It will never rain. You must start hearing the abundance of millions from the little thousands. It takes an acrino. It takes discernment. As I'm teaching right now, somebody is discerning something. As I'm teaching now, a spiritual woman is discerning something. A spiritual man is discerning something. 